I'm John Anderson. Meet my co-host, Nick Best, and Hawking Williams. We're going to have some amazing guests on the show. Buckle up tight, because we're going to be talking about the shit you're not supposed to be talking about. We're going to be discussing anything and everything it takes to become a legend of iron. Legends of Iron is brought to you by Muscleman. The creator of Nitro Test. Nitro Test is hands down the most fucking kick-ass pre-workout on the market. The question is, can you fucking handle it? Welcome to another edition of Legends of Iron. I'm John Anderson. With me always my partners in crime, Nick Best and Akeem Williams. We have got a killer show for you today this guest this guest is making an impact on the world uh especially the sport of strongman he's an elite pro strongman pound for pound the strongest guy in the group but more importantly he is the first and only gay pro strongman on the circuit this guy is breaking stereotypes like you have never seen and we are so excited to have him on the show Derek. Excuse me, Rob Kearney, welcome to the show, my brother. I'm going to call you coach, man. man. I mean, <laughs> because I've, I've talked about you so much with Derek. You know, in my mind, you're, you're like, you guys are almost the same. I'll take, it, I'll, I'll take that as a compliment, man. I'll take that as a compliment. Absolutely. I mean, he, he's a little bit leaner than I am, but I mean, you know, it's one and the same. <laughs> well, if well, we first would. When we first, uh, it was, I think it was at uh, the Arnold in uh, Santa Monica. Um, yes. When we first met, and I remember seeing the first opportunity I had actually the chance to come up and talk to you. And it was like, you know, because I knew so much of you from Derek. It was just like, I couldn't wait, you know. So, oh, I appreciate that, man. That's great. I love absolutely. hearing that. <clears throat> absolutely. Well, brother, we're jacked to have you on the show. So much to talk about. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that, that our listeners are going to really want to kind of understand is is your journey through all this i mean you've had a you've had a, a serious serious interesting journey so let's go back to kind of start us off in college you're 22 years old you know at this point you've already you're already competing you're already you've got a lot of experience you're in a relationship with a girl right so kind of start us off right there yeah that was um you know like uh i guess trial and error i guess that's what it- Guess way to think about it, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so for me at that point, you know, so 22 years old, I was uh, in grad school at the time, and it actually won the national championship in the uh, the 231 or 105 kilo division for North America's strongman. So I had earned my pro status as as a middleweight, and um, actually just after that, took second place in my first ever America's Strongest Man in 2014. So was pretty well known in the sport of strongman. And at the time really was battling my inner demons, I guess is the best way to put it, uh, in terms of who I actually was, right? You know, so up until this point, yeah, you know, up until that point, uh, was living a very heteronormative lifestyle, was doing what I thought I should be doing, not what I wanted to be doing. And to be honest, like, I don't really know why or, or what my like epiphany or aha moment was but i woke up one day and i was uh, i was tired you know I, I was tired of every single day having to put on this facade and pretend to be somebody i wasn't 
at all times, right? Because that's exhausting. I literally had to yeah. think about how I spoke to people, how I walked, how I interacted with friends, how, you know, how I reacted in conversations. All of that had to be conscious. Whereas for everybody else, it's just unconscious because you just get and to so be at this you. point, you got a pretty good picture that hey, you know, I'm I'm probably not hetero, that you're getting a pretty good vibe of that. You're just kind of you're just walking the walk to be a hetero because you don't really know what else to do at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and to be honest, like at that point, I really wasn't accepting of it for myself either. Uh-huh. And one day I just kind of woke up and I was like, I, I just can't do this anymore. You know, I need to take a step back and I need to learn who I am. So that's what I did. I ended that relationship with that girl. And, um, you know, fortunately, not soon after I met Joey, who I'm now married to. So it was a pretty, uh, you know, it was a, it was a great turnaround and I, I lucked out for sure. Um, but yeah. And then at 22 years old in, uh, October of 2014 is when I came out as openly gay and, you know, kind of announced the world who, who I am for the first time. And, uh, it's, it's been a whirlwind of a career ever since, man. So uh, kind of going I'm, back, I mean, I forgive me. I, I go. Sorry about that, Nick. I'm just so intrigued oh, here. So, so you're basically in a relationship with a female, obviously living the life of a hetero male in a relationship with a female, and all in this. I think you forgive me how many weeks, but it's a pretty short period of time. I I missed what you said there, like six weeks or something. Your um, relationship was it that? So I end, I ended that relationship in May of 2014 and ended up, um, I met Joey in September of that year. Okay. So forgive me. My time for a couple of months, very, yeah. very short period of time. All of a sudden you're in a relationship with a female and then, or, and you just kind of, when you got in a relationship with a male, you just, it just, you just kind of knew it was right. You could feel it, huh? Yeah. You know, it's funny too, because, you know, like when Joey and I met, you know, I was in my first year of grad school, he had just finished undergrad and neither of us were like looking for a long-term relationship. He had just moved home after school was kind of figuring out what he was going to do for grad school. Um, And we met and it was kind of organic with things kind of just how it fell into place. You know, I was still closeted when him and I met and officially started dating and, um, you know, for me, it was just kind of, you know, kind of figuring out the ropes of, of what I want, what I like and, and who I yeah. am. And I was fortunate enough to find an amazing, amazing guy and support system in Joey that kind of helped me on my path. Wow. So just in that, just that quick, you just, just that quick, all of a sudden you knew, boom, this is, this is home for me. Just that. It was quick. like, it was, it was a switch, you know, it really was. It was like, it, you know, once once I solidified who I was and I realized and accepted who I was, um, you know, like it it sounds cliche, but it's like, you know, it was such a weight lifted off my shoulders because I was finally able to accept myself and I didn't have to put any energy into pretending anymore. Yeah. 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 So when I say this all due respect, brother, I've nothing but respect for you. So it's like you're in a relationship with a female, you go to a male you feel like it's home. So it's like the first time in your life you have a penis in your hand other than your own. And it feels right. <laughs> yes. That's, Absolutely. That's fucking, oh that's fucking amazing, brother. You know, you know I was, I was <laughs> really, that is like, that must've been like such a huge fucking moment in your life. You know, 
Oh man! Yeah. Holy shit! I was I was really curious as to what level of vulgarity is this podcast really going to be at. So I guess we'll we just set the tone. <laughs> well, we we use the word penis, you know. I mean, it was the word penis. That's what else. I mean, it's and I started. With, I mean, I got nothing for respect for you, brother. But I'm telling you. That must have, I mean, I, cause I played that. I mean, I, I listened to quite a few things to kind of get a good feel on what your journey was. So I understood when I heard you kind of piece it together, I was like, holy shit, that short period of time must've just been like, like, I mean, I don't even know how I would describe that. I mean, life altering, like, you know, moving fast, hot, heavy, fun, everything in the, every, every positive adjective you can give it. Yeah. You know, and I think the biggest thing that, I got out of it was I finally got to experience what true happiness and true love yes. really was yeah. right. Like that was the first time in my life. Now, leading up to that point, I had always on the facade been happy, right? Like I always put on that happy face, always been, you know, go lucky outgoing, really, you know, just mm-hmm. a, a chipper kind of person. And um, that was the first time I actually felt it. Now, my my awesome, question brother. to you basically is uh, that that conversation with the the female the, the girl that you was with at the time. How did that conversation go? I mean, so, a lot of, I know a lot of viewers would want to find out like how did that, a lot of viewers that probably had the same problem and they're scared, you know, to go to the yeah. significant other to like try to have that conversation with it. How did that conversation yeah. go? You know, I mean, it was it was the most terrifying conversation I've ever had, but um, mm-hmm. it was one that I needed to do because I think in moments like this you need to be selfish, you know? And I think yeah. that's a lot of people have a hard time doing that. Yeah. And, um, you know, for me, I was, I was honest about what I was feeling, what I was going through internally, what my struggle was. Mm-hmm. And um, initially she was supportive. Uh, and then that began, <laughs> turned around real quick. Um, <laughs> once, uh, <laughs> once, once Joey came into the picture, uh, she was no longer supportive or nice. Oh, wow. Okay. She, she, probably, oh, she probably thought you were just probably going through a phase and, you know. Yeah, no, but yeah, she, yeah. she was the phase. That was the problem. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, you know, and it just just think of it from you know, and just kind of having fun in her defense. She's thinking, man, what's wrong with me? You know, I got this great boyfriend, and I I turn him gay. You know, <laughs> you know, not knowing obviously it was in your it was it yeah. was you that was you you were pretending all that time. But I'm exactly. sure she probably had a, she probably had a real rough go with feeling like she wasn't adequate to do the job for you. You know. Yeah, you know, and, um, you know, I think it was a struggle for sure. But, um, you know, overall, like I said, you know, at the end of the day, like I had to learn how to be selfish in that moment, because at that time, my happiness and my success was the only thing that I could control. And really, I needed to focus on because where I was in my life, I was miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great, brother. I mean, that's when it comes down to it. Finding. I mean, that's what we all want. We all want to find that place where we're happy. So, yeah. I mean, obviously you had a much different journey than most of us, brother, but congratulations for finding it so early in life. Fuck, man. Many people don't find it, it, you know, until later in life. And, you know, you're just getting out of the blocks. You got so much great stuff going on. You, it sounds like you got the love of your life. Totally awesome, my brother. <laughs> totally yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it really is wild to me. You know, it completely, completely unplanned, but lucked out in all the best ways. You know, Nick has been fortunate to meet Joey 
dozens yep. of times. Um, yes. You know, and what's what's funny is now, you know, Joey comes to every single competition with me. And if he if he's not by my side, like the first time I see people, the first reaction I get isn't, oh, hey, Rob, it's where's where's Joey? Where's Joey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny, Rob, because I knew you before you came out and you were talking about you had to act differently. I don't notice the difference other than you talking about Joey or not talking about Joey. I don't see you act any different than you did before. Yeah, you know, I think it, yeah, it does. And I mean, you're still the same guy I knew before as you were after. You did, nothing's nothing really is different other than you, you know you talk about Joey. Yeah, you know, That's for it. me, it was that that was the internal battle, right? Like, yeah, sure. because, yeah. you know, being it's like you're in college, you're having a conversation with your with your buddies and they're like, oh, yeah, like, check out that girl, yada, yada, yada. And like, for me, I have to play along with that in that moment. And that was something like I, I always had to do and I had to consciously be aware of that every single yeah. time I interacted with people, um, you know, but uh, that. I've, I've seen a few of those. Yeah, you know, especially, especially, um, at the, especially at the gyms and stuff like that. I've seen a few of those. Yeah, you know, so for me, it's like you know, my, my, I don't think my personality ever changed. I think for me, I now just have this ease about it where, yeah. you know, yeah. I just like I said, I just get to be myself and not give a yeah. fuck what anybody else thinks. Yeah, you're free, brother. I mean, yeah. clearly, like Nick said, from the outside looking in, there was no difference for the inside looking out. You're fucking happy, man. That's yeah. that's what it's all about. It's pretty that's dope. Fucking, that's that's amazing, good stuff. Brother. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, fun, it's funny you said that. Like I said, I have a story about uh, one of my good friends who actually, he's a bodybuilder, amateur bodybuilder, and he finally came out and admitted that he was gay and everything like that. And uh, for years, you know, we trained together at the same gym and I would, you know, talk about different females' asses and stuff like that. I would say stuff like that to him. And, you know, he was nodding, smiling. You know, getting the yeah. conversation and the whole time, you know, I, I, when he finally came out, I'm like, oh shit. I started thinking about all the conversations that we had. And I'm like, shit. Like, I was literally like, you know, putting it out there and he would give me that reaction, but he really was not into that. No. You know? So <laughs> it's, it's funny you said that because now I'm, I'm thinking about all the times that I had, I had like same kind of, you know, gym stories, you know, the boys in the gym chilling, talking about women and stuff like that. And he wasn't into that. Exactly. Yeah, I can see how you would just, I mean, it would just be so, to follow along with that. You got, you're kind of in a position where you got to do it. But at the same time, you're kind of like, this is really not what I want to be talking about. No, mm-hmm. not at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. So, brother, take us back. It sounds like you were just freaking cock strong from the jump. I mean, you were, you know, when you first started lifting weights, some of the things that you were doing right away, lifting weights was crazy, but uh, talk to us about that. You know, from your, from early on, when you first started, you were moving some crazy weights. I was, yeah, you know, so I, I had a pretty decent go when I first started, right? So I actually started competing in strongman when I was 17 years old. Um, so, so this year is going to be my 13th year competing already, you know, and I'm only 30. Um, so, you know, for me, I was decently strong, like on a barbell, you know, when I was 17, I deadlifted 500 pounds, had a decent overhead, stuff like that. Um, but to be honest, I, I sucked at strongman when I started. 
Uh, <laughs> I took I took dead last in the first eight competitions I went to. <laughs> but and you clearly, but you clearly loved it, or you wouldn't have kept coming back. Yeah, exactly. And, and another thing, people are realizing, like at that time, I was competing in the the two hundred pound weight class. So I was yeah, competing yeah. under two hundred pounds. You know, yeah. doing all these shows and. So it wasn't actually until my 14th competition where I actually won a show. Um, and that was the contest. It was uh, here. It was in Connecticut. It was, uh, you know, Connecticut strongest man in 2011. And that was the first year I qualified to go to nationals. And I went to nationals that year in Tunica, Mississippi uh, as a 200 pounder and ended up taking second place in the 200 pound weight class, which was wild. And that's when it kind of started snowballing into me realizing, okay, you know, like I did pretty well here, not thinking that I would let's see if, uh, let, maybe I can go make a run for my, for my lightweight pro card or my middleweight pro card. So 2012 ended up, uh, was actually the favorite to win the 2012 national championship. And it, this is like the most heartbreaking story of my career. I was, I had a 13 point lead going into the final event of the show oh, and boy. ended up losing by one point. Oh, I've been oh, there, no. dude. Wasn't yeah. that Nick? Was it 2006? I was ahead mm -hmm. by a couple, and and uh, fuck, I bobbled the fucking stone in the last fucking event. Yep. And uh, who was it that yep. beat me? I'm, I can't remember uh, his name. Steve McDonald. Donald McDonald. Yeah, no, I've oh. been there, brother. I feel your pain. You just standing there going. Can I just have five seconds back, please? Oh, dude, it was and that, that, that last event that year in 2012. It was this crazy, crazy death medley where it was a uh, it was a sandbag carry 50 feet run back, keg carry 50 feet run back, duck walk 50 feet, then a backward sled drag. Holy and shit. it was just so, so terrible. And the guy that beat the guy that ended up winning the show was Tyler Stickle. Um, who trains with Brian Shaw. And I remember Tyler took, he was in the lane next to me. He took first place and I took 14th. And I was like, son of a bitch. There's that one point. Um, but luckily came back the next year in 2013. And, and to this day, I think I still have the largest margin of victory at a national championship. Um, wow. So I won the, I won the 2013 nationals by over 50 points. Um, wow. This, That's yes, huge. So going into going into the final event, I believe I had like a 74 point lead going into the final <laughs> oh event. And there was only like, I think there was only 48 competitors. So it was mathematically impossible for me to lose. Yeah. So I went out, I did the last event, still ended up winning by over 50 points. And then, like I said, you know, 2014, 2015, um, had a great run. I took second place at America's Strongest Man in the 105 division both years. And then 2016 is when uh, things got a little bit more serious and I, I actually got invited to compete at the log press world championships in Lithuania hosted by Zadrunas. And um, I went there, I weighed 246 pounds. And at the time yeah. I had the, I had the amateur world record for the log press at 425 pounds. So got the invite to go. And I remember showing up and it was uh, strongman champions league was running it. And the directors looked at me, they go, you're the American. <laughs> I was like, oh. and, I, and I, when I showed up, I mean, again, like at 246 pounds at this point, like I'm, I'm filling out an XL. Like four bills. He's like yeah. 400 pounds, you know, I'm like filling out an XL shirt at this point. Like, I, you know, and the smallest shirt they had was three X. 
So it was a dress on me. Oh. And um, so I show up. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. I'll throw down. Let's see what see how it goes. And I remember like that entire show, I wasn't paying attention to what anybody else was doing. I was just like seeing how my attempts were going. And I ended up hitting 202.5 kilos. So like 445 and a half. And um, I remember hitting that. I sit back down. I'm stoked. It was a great lift. I'm super pumped. And Dimitar Savatinov comes up to me and goes, congratulations. You just won. I was like, the fuck? <laughs> I had no clue. I had no clue. And um, I ended up tying with Vetus Blakitis uh, for first place with that lift. And um, it was that it was actually that contest that Joey looked at me and was like, I guess you are pretty good. You know, it wasn't, wow. it wasn't taking second place in America's strongest man. Uh, but, you know, finally going to Lithuania and doing well at that. And that's what really opened up the doors to me, uh, to me making the moves into the heavyweight division and uh, was fortunate enough in 2017 to get my first invite to World's Strongest Man. Well, brother, this is a perfect segue to what I was going to say next. You, you, you watch certain athletes, right? And all types of athletes, and I call it athletic intelligence. They just know how to move. They understand how to put themselves in the right spot at the right time and timing. Brother, you have got some of the most amazing strength uh, athletic intelligence I've ever seen. I mean, the things that you can do for your stature is crazy. So my question is, going back, if we go further back in time, you were a cheerleader. Do you think being a cheerleader had anything to do with this development? Because this is a type of strength and you can't really teach athletic intelligence, you know? Yeah, you know, for me, I think it was a little bit of that. But honestly, when I first got into the sport, you know, I came up my, you know, my 2000, you think back to like 09 to 2012 when I was really getting, getting into the sport. And that was like right in the height of American strongman, you know, like it was Poundstone, Ortmeier, Nick, you know, you were in the, yeah. in like Osland, Bergman, um, like all these studs here in the U S Brian was really just coming into the mix, you know, and um, I remember at that point, I realized, you know, when I first got into strongman, I, my goal was never to get to world's strongest man or do this shit. I never thought I'd be able to, because I'm five foot 10. Um, I'm chubby and not that athletic. So I was kind of figuring like, okay, like I'll see what I can do and however far I get great. And after taking last place so many times, what ended up happening is I, I started to become a student of the sport, right? So like I would watch Derek deadlift or press and be like, okay, what is he doing? And how is he, how is he manipulating the implement? You know, I would watch Nick do the yoke or farmers or frame and be like, okay, what is he doing? What, how can I take what he does so well and mold it to my body type so I can recreate that movement. And that's what I really did. And that's really, I think what excelled me in the sport because I studied what everybody was doing. And another thing was like, when I first started, I competed a lot when I was an amateur, yeah. Like before I turned pro, I was competing almost 11 to 12 times a year. Um, yeah. And it was just because like I wanted to get that experience and I loved the sport. I loved the community. And there were so many competitions happening that I was like, you know what? I'm not going to train for every show. I'm just going to train to get stronger and show up when there's a contest around me so I can get better at competing as well. Yeah. And so I think it was all of those things that came together to really kind of propel my career to where it is today. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Like at the, you know, the, the rogue <clears throat> competition, I mean, you walk up to basically 900 pounds in a deadlift and you're standing there and 
you know, some of the big guys, the Giants, they look in proportion to that big bar. You know, <laughs> you walk up and you say, okay, here's a normal size guy, but you just fucking <laughs> crush it. You just crush it. I tell everybody, like, whenever I'm at a contest, like, we do the athlete lineups, I always feel like the younger brother that's trying to hang out with his big brother's friends because <laughs> I'm so much shorter and smaller. Like, I remember at the at the Rogue when, they did the, when we did the awards at the end, it was, like, Brian in seventh, then me in sixth, then J.F. Carone in fifth. So I was between those two behemoths. I'm like, this is really cool. I'm tiny. <laughs> I, I feel your pain. I, I yeah, think. You know, <laughs> it's just you know, but like the way you add old into that mix, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So for me, it was uh, like I said. I think it was just like years of studying the sport and just competing so often that really gave me this awareness and kind of this knowledge of the sport to get me to be able to compete at Worlds and the Arnold and the Rogue and all these amazing shows. Now, now you said you said when you first started, you took you played horrible a lot for a lot of for a lot of different shows and stuff like that. I mean, what kept you going? What kept you thinking about still competing? Because I, I know a lot of people, you know, they try something, you know, they're not good at it, and eventually they just give up. What kept you going? For me, it was um, it was the fact that strongman is so different all mm -hmm. the time. Right. You know, and I'm sure Nick and, and John, you're kind of in the same boat, but you know, I've been doing this sport for 13 years and I've never once done a contest with the same events in it. Gotcha. Every single show yeah. in the past 13 years has always been a different mm -hmm. mix of events. Okay. Okay. And that's what kept me excited. Right. Like, so even though I was taking last, I was like, Oh shit, there's a Conan's wheel there. I've never done that. Never <laughs> try it. You know, gotcha. like it was mm -hmm. just always something new and that I got excited about. And I loved the training. But it was also like the way, the way I describe strongman, it's kind of like, it's like an individual team sport, right? Like you have your people you train with, but at the end of the day, all eyes are on you. And when you get onto that floor, you have to perform. And if you succeed, you put in the work. If you fucked up, it's on you. And I loved having that pressure on me because you could also see, you could also see change every time you stepped into the gym. I think that's one of the reasons we all love training, right? Is because mm -hmm. like, it's like, yeah. okay, well, you got more reps or you add a more weight to the bar. It's that, that objective measure that you can see increasing um, mm -hmm. happens in competition as well. So I think it was like all those things really, it kept me excited. Plus I was in a really tough major in college and it was a nice outlet for me where I didn't have to think about school anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh. Yeah, absolutely crazy, bro. It's, it's, it's amazing to hear you talk because, I mean, when, when people get to see, you know, what you do in terms of your performance and the fact that you literally are like way, I mean, what would you, you get outweighed by what, 100, 150 pounds in some cases? Yeah, you know, so my, my average contest weight is about 285 um, and I stand about five foot 10, right? So we look at the average size of these guys, it's probably around 6'3, 350. Um, and then on the bigger side, you know, I was competing. I've comp had the privilege of competing against Thor multiple times, who, you know, is six foot nine, <laughs> 440 with abs. So, you know, it's, it, you know, it, it's really cool the fact that I can be out there and still, uh, you know, still throw around the same weight that these big dudes are doing and, and hold my own and do well. You know, I've been fortunate enough to hold some records, win some contests, and, and put my name on the map of the sport. 
It's on, it really at this point, there's no way for somebody to argue. You really are pound for pound the strongest one of the elites right now. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, in 2020, I was actually fortunate enough to win that contest. Um, Eddie Hall, an official strongman, held a pound for pound strongest man in the world contest. Um, and I was fortunate enough to come out on top, you know, so it was uh, a one rep max ground to overhead lift. So I log pressed 455 pounds. Um, oh. and then I deadlifted 921 pounds at a body weight of 286. Um, <laughs> and you know, those two, Is that insane? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just, no, it's good. normally, I mean, when, when you're saying that someone's thinking, did, did he say 386? No, he, rewind that. No, he said 286. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's it's really cool because, you know, I think back on moments of my career and like I think back to, you know, Nick, I, you know, I'm sure you remember when Joey and I came out there to your house to train yep. back in yeah. 2015 or two, I think it was 2016. 16. And I remember yeah, uh, I, sh I showed up to his house. He's like, all right, what's on the menu tonight? I was like, we got deadlifts. He's like, great. He was like, what do you got? I was like, 765 for reps. He was like, what? At this point, I was still a middleweight. I was still competing at 231. Wow. He was, he was what, what? Okay. I got, let's, all right, let's do it. <laughs> that, that, that's definitely impressive. So, I, yeah, we ended up log pressing and uh, we did some reps. And that was actually the first time Joey hit a 500 pound deadlift as well, was in your garage. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. A little coaching, a little talking, a little pep yeah. talk, and up it went. It wasn't too. Wasn't too long ago we had Derek on the show and he actually talked a little bit about coaching you, <clears throat> which was a lot of fun to hear. Some of the strategy you got you guys went into and currently use. When did you when did you and Derek start to actually when did you get him to coach you? Because I know he's in the beginning, he said that it was you that kind of got him to kind of step over the ledge of okay, I'll coach someone. It was you were the one that got him to take the step into coaching. Yeah, you know, he played hard to, all come together. He he played hard to get for a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah so Derek you know I will say like Derek was one of the first guys uh you know that I kind of like really idolized in the sport and you know we we're both from Connecticut and he was a you know smaller guy you know competing and um you know I was I was fortunate enough to train with him a few times when I was 17 and 18 years old with his crew in Waterbury and um so I'd always, you know, really look up to him and it was 2018, um, was, was one of the last times I asked him, uh, I I'd asked him in 2017, a couple of times in 2016. And he'd always just said, you know, oh, like got too much going on with the family and you know, work, they're just too busy and stuff like that. And, um, in 2018, I remember I went over his house for dinner one night and I asked him if he, you know, would be my coach. You know, I had these goals. I proven myself, proven to everybody that I could compete at Worlds and do these shows at the time. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to do the Arnold Australia. I really would love to, you know, to have your support and your coaching. And um, initially he said no. And I remember I left. <laughs> I was like, all right, fuck it. You know, fifth time didn't work. So there it goes. And um, I remember, uh, you know, this story is great because his wife, Dana, when I left, I, she smacked him and said, she said, why the fuck did you say no? Really? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and he was like, and, you know, I would say, you know, Derek, you know, is, is his own worst enemy. And sometimes, you know, I mean, Nick has competed against him and can probably attribute to that. And, you know, he gets in his head. And, and at that point, Derek felt that he didn't have anything to offer me as a coach. 
And, you know, which is crazy to me because here's this guy that took second place at Worlds and won the Arnold multiple times and won America's Strongest Man multiple times. And, you know, so so Dana finally talked some sense into Derek. And the next day he reached out to me, said, you know, like I thought about it, thought about it. Um, and, uh, and, you know, he decided to come on board and start working with me. And to this day, uh, that first four months of training, I have never gone through anything like that before. Um, I still, to this day, the hardest training session I ever had, you know, was it was the middle of summer and it was, you know, our, our gym was nice enough to not have air conditioning. So it is, uh, <laughs> it's about 85, yeah. 90 degrees, humid as hell in the gym. And Derek programmed, um, it was a heavy set of five on deadlifts followed by a heavy set of five on squats, um, snatch grip RDLs, frame holds, and then a final conditioning set of yoke sand of a yoke carry sandbag carry medley. It was a 650 pound yoke and a 200 pound sandbag, 200 feet each way, turns at 50 feet with only two minutes. Two minutes rest between sets for four sets. And I remember that session, I think, is really what wrote the script to what Derek and I were able to do over the next two and a half years. Um, because my first show out um, of him coaching me was the Arnold Australia, and I won um, against the lineup that was pretty stacked. It was Matias Belsat, absolutely. Novikov was there, um, mm-hmm. JF and Jerry Pritchett, and I mean, it was just this monstrous lineup, and I was able to come mm-hmm. out with a win, and um, you know, ended up being pretty successful under him. You know, was able to you know go to the Arnold, and I tied for sixth place, uh, world strongest man in 2019 was was probably my most heartbreaking but most exciting competition um i had lost the qualifying group to thor by one point and uh that forced me to go into the the stone over bar event versus luke stoltman um and you know luke luke is one of my best friends in the sport and at that point neither of us had made the finals at worlds so that was on the line for both of us and if you know anything about strongman, the Stoltmans are pretty damn good at stones. Yeah, yeah. And that's the that's the event you don't want when you draw one of them. Yeah, you know, so we had yeah. it was a 410-pound stone over bar for reps. And the way the event was set up was like when the stone fell on your side, you had 20 seconds to get it back over. And you know, I will say I hit a PR, I, I hit 10 reps, which was pretty damn Jesus good. Christ. Yeah, um, dude. Oh my and God. it was it was over a 56 inch bar. So for me, that's like yeah, that's nipple shoulder height. Yeah. I was going to say for, that's over uh, your nipple, isn't it? Yeah. For Luke, that's waist height. So that was cool. <laughs> um, yeah. And you know, so it was, it was just one of those, it was such a bittersweet moment because I had such, such a great qualifying heat, you know, uh, one of the proudest moments to me was, you know, the fact that I only lost to Thor in the group by one point. Um, and, you know, just missed out on the finals, but then, you know, was able to do some really cool stuff. So working with Derek was, um, it, it's, it, it was probably the most surreal part of my career. Yeah. I mean, Derek, he, he's a, when it came to even his own training, I mean, he, he brought things to the table that nobody was doing, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you know, his big thing when he was going, you know, was that pain tolerance training, right? Like mm-hmm. that's what he was known for. And I remember he would come up, he would drive an hour and a half north to uh, the town that I was living in, Massachusetts. And I, um, a couple of days before this, I had gone to our local fire department, and I walked in. And I was like, "Oh, I was wondering if I could speak to the chief." They're like, "For what?" I was like, uh, "I want to pull one of your fire trucks." <laughs> and I remember the the woman looking at me like, "Okay." So she goes and gets the chief, and I was like, "Hey, you know what's going on? My name is Robin Train for World's Strongest Man. Um, I was hoping I could borrow one of your fire trucks to pull." He was like, "What?" Yeah, and I was like, "Yeah, no, like I'm totally serious. Like I, I literally want to." pull one of your trucks so uh once i got the okay from them you know derek would actually drive up like once a week with his truck and the harness and everything in the rope uh to train to train these fire truck pulls with me and they were some of the most brutal sessions ever because i would have to start up by start off by pushing his truck as a warm-up and then then we'd get the fire truck set up and you know it would be you know this is a it's an automatic fire truck so and when you pull a vehicle that's an automatic, it is terrible, right? Because like the gears kind of kick in. You're yeah, never re- it's never really freewheeling. No. And then you add in, you know, about 10,000 pounds of water. That's great. <laughs> um, so I remember, you know, I get down and I go to pull. And I, the, the first time I think I pulled this fire truck, it took me about 90 to 100 seconds of just grit. That's yeah, a long thanks. time. That's a yeah, long time. Yeah. For, for, people that, for people that don't know, a 45-second truck pull makes you want to feel like you need oxygen. You First, you're going to throw up. Then you're going to get oxygen. 90 seconds to 100 seconds is like double that, which sounds exactly yeah. like Derek's training. <laughs> well, well, and here's the time where it gets fun. The time limit at Worlds is 60 seconds. So exactly, yeah. yeah let, let that sink in for a minute. So, yeah. so here's here's where it gets fun. You know, I finish the pull. My forearms and biceps are cramping. My quads are on fire. I can't breathe. And Derek looks at his he looks at his phone. And he goes, "All right, four minutes. We're going again." I was like, "You motherfucker!" <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! And I, I had to do that. I had to do that three times. And um, you know, and then. He opens up the uh, the tailgate to his truck, and he has weights and a log. And he's like, "Great, now we're doing log press <laughs> in the middle of this park uh, in Massachusetts." You know, so it was uh, like I said. I mean, it, it was definitely those sessions are something I'll always look back on and just be like, "What the fuck was I thinking?" Dude, that that four minute break he gave you, that four minute break must have been gone. It must have seemed like it vanished in time. Oh, I blinked and it was over. <laughs> that must have sounded like much about about four seconds. Yeah, you know, and then you know, if you know anything about a truck pull, right? Like we wear we wear rock climbing shoes, so those aren't comfortable on fat feet whatsoever. So I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the, I'm like in these rock climbing shoes. It's like 90 degrees. We're in the sun. I can't catch my breath. My feet hurt. My arms are cramping. It was just, it was a hot mess, but you know, luckily it totally didn't pay off. Cause I still took last in the truck. Pool. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff, brother. I mean, the truck pool, you're, you're, you are so just by the, the fact that, you know, you're, you know, giving away so much weight. I mean, having some ass, you know, in a truck pull is, is really, I mean, weight, there, there's the argument, weight moves weight for sure in an event like that. 
Yeah, you know? yeah. And you're giving away so much weight. You, I mean, Derek was getting you ready for what you needed to be ready for. Yeah, for sure. You know, and that's that's the one event where where you know being big just really does help. And for me, you know, like I'm I'm kind of boxy, right? So like I I have a thick midsection, which helps me on carries and the yoke walk, frame carry, farmer's carry, and all those carries, like a thick midsection really helps. But my upper body, while it's big, I don't have that much mass there. So when you're leading into a truck pull, when most of your weight is in your trunk, you're not getting a lot of that forward momentum. You know, whereas Thor, when he steps up to the truck pull, it's he's 440 pounds. He literally has 180 pounds or 160 pounds more mass behind that pull than I do. Yeah, he's got that oh, on the top side of the race to the harness. Yeah, he's and he's so he's, much leverage. Yeah, yeah, he's a little bit taller. He's a little taller. Yeah. Just a little, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Well, bro, this is it's it's so again, it's so amazing to hear you talk because again, we got to remind the listeners that this is a two hundred and eighty to ninety pound individual, not a three hundred eighty to ninety pound individual. So. For those of you, if you didn't catch that in the beginning, digest that right now. <laughs> so you've, you've also kind of moved on and doing some other really cool stuff like speaking. You're kind of starting to take some proactive measures. Talk to us a little bit about that. That's really, really cool, brother. You know, my, my career has like gone off into a place where I never, I never thought or imagined it would be. Right? You know, I've been fortunate enough to be given this platform and uh you know it all started with my win in australia at the arnold and uh you know that evening when i was when i was getting my award from arnold he had asked like what we were doing the rest of the weekend and joey and i had actually planned on our marriage we got married that weekend right after the contest so very cool you know we were fortunate enough to uh to actually celebrate our wedding with arnold um which was outrageous and you know he actually posted about us the next day and that that's really mm-hmm. kind of what opened up the floodgates in terms of my uh my social media presence presence and um you know soon after that guys like joe rogan started following me so i was able to get on the joe rogan experience a couple of times and um mm-hmm. being able to have this platform now you know it really is just something that i take so so seriously and and it's so great to be able to be authentically me every single day on social media. And, you know, the way I describe it is like, I'm unapologetically gay. Um, And because I just get to show that I am one of the strongest motherfuckers in the world, happily married to a guy. And none of that holds me back from anything. And I think that's the biggest thing that what I've really, really been trying to show the world is sexual orientation has nothing to do with what you can achieve in life. And I think for so long, especially me growing up, one of the reasons why I am, you know, the world's strongest gay on social media is because of how important representation is, especially in the world of sports and athletics, because growing up, I never thought I was possible, right? Like I never saw an openly gay athlete. So I never thought that is something I could do. And now that we're seeing professional football players come out where, you know, we have me and strongman, we have professional soccer players and hockey players, all these younger kids who are 
battling with their with themselves on who they are and their identities they can now see themselves in somebody else which has never been done before and that's yeah. why that's why people being open and honest about who they are really is so important it's not for self gratification for me but it's because there are hundreds of younger kids that are on social media and seeing what we're doing every single day and you know because of who I am, you know, I receive so much hate on a daily basis on social media, but I also get the messages, you know, to this day where, you know, I mean, the ones that get me the most are, are messages from, you know, LGBTQ plus teens who don't feel like they have a place in this world who are, who honestly, like one of them said he was, he was on the verge of committing suicide until he found my profile. And he realized that he didn't have to do that, that he could actually be happy and have a life. Um, you know, it's having impacts like that, that really make, you know, everything that I'm doing worth it, regardless of what happens. Oh, brother, you, you are, I mean, like I said in the opening, man, you're making a difference in the world right now. <clears throat> Obviously, huge impact in the Stroman world, but in general, I mean, you've been given this platform and you're doing a lot of good shit with it. And that's what we need from, you know, people like yourself, you know, stepping on a limb and, and going out there and showing the world that it's okay and breaking the stereotypes. And just like you're saying, I mean, there, there are people all around the world who are realizing that, Hey, you know what? I'm not alone. It's okay. I can do it. Whatever it is, you're making a huge difference in the world, bro. And that's, that's one of the reasons I was so excited to have you on the show, man. I mean, it's, it's amazing what you've done with strength, especially being that you're not a monster and you compete with the monsters, but I mean, you're making an impact on the world right now, brother. And that's what it's all about. And I think the cool thing is, you know, what you, you know, what you just said, you know, I think another thing is like strength is more than physical, right. You yeah. know, I mean, it, yeah. it's, it is a, it is a burden to, uh, to deal with some of the shit that I deal with on a daily basis. But, you know, fortunately over years and years of going through it, I have really thick skin, so it doesn't fucking bother me at all. Um, <laughs> And, you know, I also, I also think back on those moments where I'm just bombarded by hate in all of the moments of good that I've, that I've yeah. been able to have, um, you know, and fortunate enough to be able to, you know, have a children's book coming out later this year and, and be able yeah. to do some really, really awesome things to, to just help, you know, I hate using the word normalize, but I guess that's the most real word I could use, but normalizing LGBTQ relationships and couples um, so we don't get ostracized or, or put on a pedestal ever because, you know, I'm no more special than anybody else, but, you know, at this moment in time, my voice really does matter. And, and uh, brother, I'll tell you that, that it takes a certain person like yourself that can take all the negativity, all the shit that people throw at you to stand there strong and still do what you do. So I got to tell you, man, I got nothing but respect. My hat is off to you, brother. Cause I, it's, it's hard to take hateful shit. And like you're saying, you get a ton of it, but you still stand up, you stand proud and you send your message. And that's what this fucking shit's all about. Yeah. You know, you know I think, uh, I think my proudest moment ever is, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I will say because of who I am and what I do, the, the, the negative comments are, are not typically in person. 
right? Like guys are a little bit, their, their ego's a little bit too fragile to do that. But, uh, yeah, nobody's going to make it in person. There was one contest where it did happen, where a guy... Yeah, was, I was going to say, I, 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 heard, I heard you talk about this, brother. I was going to actually bring yeah. this up. So this is, a t- please, this is awesome, dude. Awesome. So there was a guy heckling me from the crowd, and it was just after I'd done a truck pull. Now I know we talked about a truck pull. It's not my best event. But, um, you know, so this guy's heckling me, and I'm like, I'm walking back to the athlete tent, and I hear him, hear him, hear him, and he's just going on and on and on. So I look at him, and I goes, dude, I suck dick, and I'm stronger than you. Yes, <laughs> that is the fucking best ever, dude. When I saw you, t- when I heard you tell that story the first time, I was like, "Oh my god, I gotta have him tell that story on the show." That's the fucking best. Because I mean, some fucking guy, he's an armchair quarterback. He's up there yep. fucking running his mouth. Doesn't have a fucking clue what it takes to do anything you do. And for you just to fucking square up and pop him in the face right that in front of all of the people. I mean, think about this fucking guy. He's he's the hard ass, you know, yelling all all this shit. And then you just turn him upside down. That is. Well, awesome. yeah. And, I mean, and we're in Texas at this point, too. So, oh, my God. I mean, it was just better. Absolutely no. beautiful. What, what, what was his response after that, though? He left. Yeah, I was going to say, he was, he was either going to leave or probably get his ass kicked, you know? <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. He's talking all that smack, and he couldn't even handle one comment. No, no. I mean, but that's the thing, right? Like, a lot of these people, mm-hmm. they're, they're again, like, they're, you know, quote-unquote keyboard warriors, and they're the ones that yeah. are they're the first ones to say something. But when you come back at them, they're the first ones to either get defensive or leave. Um, yeah. because you know, they, they just can't deal with the heat. And that's something that I've been able to, yeah, I've been able to do really well over the past few years because it doesn't bother me. Right. Like for me, I use their motivation or I, I use their yes. negativity as motivation Yes. because mm-hmm. in my mind, there is no bigger fuck you to that person than me succeeding. Yes. 100%. You know, brother. You, 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 know is- you know what I, you know what I come across a lot, especially with people like that. I get it a lot, especially on social media. And when they say something like, you know, come at me with, with something, you know, and I respond back, the, the first thing they will say is, oh, wow, I didn't think he was going to respond. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, like at the end of the day, man, they, they, they think like sometimes, you know, people don't have feelings and stuff like that. Just because you put yourself out into the public and stuff like that, you know, you have feelings too, man, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's the thing, you know, I think it's, again, like, I just think it's so funny when, like, people jump up and start saying things like that, and then, you know, again, like, they don't expect people like me to to say something back, yeah, but it's exactly. like, yeah, yeah. you know, I think there's a lot of people that are like, oh, you know, don't read the comments, don't read the comments, but mm-hmm, I do, you mm-hmm. know, like, because that's, yeah. me as a person, I like having interaction with my fans mm-hmm. and the people that support me, yep. so if I'm going to see the positive, I'm going to see the negative. Yeah. And uh, you know when I am able to, when I am able to give back a little zinger like that, they uh, they usually fall back <laughs> on their heels pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. well, check this out. Looks pretty good too. Yeah, that's so true. So true. <laughs> so check this out, guys. We only have we only have our man Rob here for about another little less than ten minutes. So I want to make sure that everybody knows that before we. <clears throat> so if, if there's any any questions that you guys want to pop out now, because. Uh, like I said, we could keep him here for their hour, but we only got him here for a little <laughs> less than 10 minutes. So <laughs> I got like I mean, an hour drive down to the gym after this. Well, you oh. got to do your thing, brother. Yeah. You got to do yeah, your yeah. thing. Arnold, Arnold training is Arnold training is kicking into high gear. I get to press a 275 dumbbell a couple times tonight. 
Months. You know, I'm telling you, brother, that was one of the things when I watched, uh, when I was watching the Rogue. I mean, you were, those dumbbells, you were crushing those things, brother. You're, I mean, the way that you position yourself under those dumbbells, that's kind of that whole thing I was speaking, like that athletic intelligence. You just kind of know where to get under that dumbbell to keep it overhead. It's fucking amazing. I, I got to tell you, I mean, I love to watch, I love the sport of Stroman. I love to watch it. But I got to tell you, bro, you're probably my favorite guy to watch at this point in time. Wow, thank you, man. That means a lot. You know, and I think what's funny is too, like in these events, people forget to realize that that's a body weight dumbbell press for me. That's what I mean. That's what <laughs> yeah. you're talking about. I mean, you, got, so you got, you got body up. weight on your shoulder, and then you got to get arm. that thing overhead and with one arm, and you got to somehow position yourself underneath it so it doesn't come down. That's what I said when. It's you are hands down my favorite guy to watch right now, brother. So oh, uh, it's it's not just because the spandex. No, I love the spandex too. I love the spandex too. <laughs> the, you know, the spandex, the hair, it all fits together. But you know, it's just it's sending that message, which is another great thing too. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a message of subtlety. Subtlety. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, it's, uh, I'll tell you, brother, I mean, you're, you're out there, you're basically out there doing your thing and you're there competing, but you're also there for a purpose and it's, it's, it's meaningful. It really is. Thank you. No, it means a lot, you know, and it's, it's been such a wild ride and so, so, so much fun. You know, like I said, like, I never thought that I'd be the guy that's out there, you know, traveling around the world, you know, at these competitions and, and doing this, all the, all this amazing stuff. So it really is, it's just, it's a total dream come true for me, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. what life's about. You're living your dream. <clears throat> yeah. Well, we, we got to ask a question for the for the people that are watching. And for every strong man that's a little undersized, they got to be looking to you going, okay, how does he do it? So what advice do you give to a strong man who's a little on the smaller side of the equation? Um, I guess my best advice is be stubborn. Right? You know, I think uh, <laughs> for me, it was uh, – it was stubbornness in my training, stubbornness in my competing. And it was, I guess another thing is like, I never looked at failures as failures, right? Like yeah. we talk about the beginning of my career and it would have been really easy to just throw in the towel and not continue anymore. And, but it was, what I did was I set these small attainable goals that I knew I could achieve. And that's what kept me on this path. Because if I were to start in the sport of strongman when I'm 200 pounds at 17 years old and say, I want to be the world's strongest man one day, that is a long road and it's really easy to get derailed. Mm -hmm. yeah. But if I step up to a competition, I'm like, you know what? My first goal, let's not take last. And guess what? That goal doesn't change until you achieve it. Right. So for me, it was don't take last. Okay, great. Contest number eight. I did that. So what's the next goal? Let's not zero an event because up until that point, I had zeroed at least one event at a contest. Awesome. Contest number 11. I finished an entire show without zeroing an event. After that, let's try to get on the podium. Let's really try to put everything together. Contest number 14. Boom. I win my first contest. And from there, it was, okay, let's go to nationals, see how I stack up against everybody. And it was all of these goals that I knew I could get to that slowly just snowballed and piled up into, okay, well, shit, I'm going to world's strongest man this year. 
And it wasn't a fast journey, right? Like it took me eight years from when I started the sport to getting to world's strongest man. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen in a couple of years. Um, and I think it was just that, that stubbornness and that tenacity and that goal setting that really is the only reason that I was able to get to this. Because I tell you what, I still live by that right now, right? Like in 2019, my goal was to make the world's strongest man finals. I didn't get to do it. Well, 2020, I tore my tricep three weeks before world's strongest man. 2021, I got cancer three weeks before world's strongest man. So guess what? In 2022, my goal is to make the world's strongest man finals this year. Um, the Arnold Strongman Classic, my goal is to make top five. Well, 2020, I made, I took sixth place. So this year going into the Arnold, my goal was to take top five. So my mentality still hasn't changed throughout my entire Strongman journey. And I think that's really important for people to realize. Yeah, for sure. So the key is to set methodical, uh, achievable goals. Yeah. Yeah. It's because that's what you've done. You yeah, methodically set achievable goals and you people, reach everyone. Again, people always look at the end goal and it's really, really easy to get disheartened when you're not getting to that end goal soon and quick enough. Right? Like yeah. well, if I had set if I had, gratification society too. So that yes. You know, but for me, it was like, if I had set the goal to get to world's strongest man, do you think I would be sitting here with you guys? Because it would have taken me eight years to get there. Fuck no. If I wasn't there in two, I'd be, <laughs> I'd be, fuck this. I'm done. Right. Like, so it was, it, but again, like, you know, we talk about instant gratification. Well, there was nothing more gratifying than hating one of your goals that you set for yourself. True. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, it was great. And that's, that is what kept me going all these years. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. So for those of you listening, don't think you're going to show up to a national championship in your first or second year and win it by 50 or 60 points. <laughs> <laughs> Took a few years for me to get there. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, brother, I know we're just like, got like minutes away before we got to let you go. You've done so much already and you're just getting your wheels turning. So when all this is over, what is it that uh, you want to be remembered for? What's your legacy? What are you leaving behind? You know, uh, for me, um, my biggest thing has always been it's easier to love than hate, right? And that's just how I live my life. And that's what I want people to remember me for. I want, you know, I don't think I'm going to be remembered by wins and losses like some strongman competitors are going to be. I hope I'm remembered by my character and that every time I stepped out on a competition floor, I was having fun. I loved yeah. performing. I loved being with all of my friends and uh, just doing something that I genuinely love. And I think that passion, that excitement for the sport is something that I'll be remembered for because, you know, I've been fortunate enough, you know, I won a Giants Live. I won an Arnold International. I held some records, but, you know, I'm not one of those guys that has rooms full of trophies like Zadrunas, you know, that that's just not the competitor I am or ever will be. And I'm totally, totally okay with that. Um, I know my lane. I know what I'm here to do. And I feel like I do it pretty well. So I think, uh, you know, being remembered for my character, my personality, and just me as an athlete, uh, I think that's what's really important to me. Yeah. And what was your opening? You said it easier to love than to hate. Yeah, it's easier to love than That's hate. fucking beautiful, brother. Holy mm -hmm. shit. I mean, that's yeah, that's powerful is. right there. I mean, when you said that, that kind of hit me in the chest like, fuck. Never. I mean, it's so simple, but so fucking effective. Yeah, you know, and I that think that's good shit. 
just like you know the world in general right now i think people are are yeah. too much too focused on divisiveness and hating each other whereas yes. opposed to like Boy. you know it's it's it's, easy, it's easier to smile and hug than than fight yeah. and argue so and you know that's you think, yeah and when you oh, think a lot, easy, a lot of that energy yeah and, and people want easy. So shit, when it's easy to yeah. love, that should be real. It should be simple to follow. That's yeah. that's powerful shit, bro. That's that's a serious pearl of life right there. <laughs> Thanks, you know? man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, <clears throat> we got to. I know you got to go, brother. So, uh, Nick Ockham, you got anything else, or are we uh, we gonna let uh, let our man get going in his hour journey to to uh, train for <laughs> for the Arnold? He's got work yeah. to put in. But, man, I tell you what, it's always so much fun competing with you, dude, because we're always laughing, we're always joking, and we're always having a good time. And then we just get out there and get after it. So it's an absolute honor to have you on the show and get to sit here and talk with you and stuff like that. So thank you. Thank it's, you. It's you know, I, think, thank I think the coolest thing for me is, you know, like, you know, going up against you in Giants Live in 2017, I remember yeah. going into that Stones event. Um, you know, it was such a surreal moment for me because it was my first Giants live competing against, you know, you've been in the sport for years who I've seen on TV and done all this stuff. And I remember going out there and I just looked at it. It was like, let's put on a show. And, uh, you know, it's so cool to be able to say that and just have fun and do some cool shit with friends. Yeah, that, this is a good cool. time. This is a good, great thing. I'm so glad I got to do that with you. Yeah. Well, you know, on my end, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing you at the Arnold. I'm, I'm going to be on that stage also, so. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing you out there. Badass, man. Well, good I, luck I, to I, you I, as well. Thank you. Yeah, I know you're going to kill it. Yeah. Thanks, brother. Well, well, hands down, I think we all agree we're going to have to get you back for another time on the show, brother. I'm, yeah, I mean, this this was a powerful hour, but Jesus Christ, I feel like we just scratched the surface, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. 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 And, and it, was, it was great to hear you talk. And even better – it's 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 so great to hear you talk about the things that you're doing to make a difference in the world because when all the dust settles that's what it's all about brother i mean what is it i love it easier to love than to hate what else can you say that's right yeah man right on easy that's that's unbelievable well there you have it everyone another edition of legends of iron we're always here to inspire you and make you the best version of yourself everyone thank you very much for listening And we will see you next time. Legends of Iron is brought to you by MuscleMix, the creator of Nitro Test. Nitro Test is hands down the most fucking kick-ass free workout on the market. If you fucking bought some, come fucking get some. Can you handle it?